0: Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome to We Watched A Thing. I'm Billy, and I'm joined, as always, by my very good friend, Toph. How you doing, buddy? I'm all the better for being here with you, Billy. Oh, that's really nice, because I've missed you, buddy. I've missed you. You, You've left us at the office, and you've started a new job. How's that going for you? Yeah, good. My my new workmates. So much better. (laughs) You dickhead. <laughs> um, it's it's good to be back here on home turf, though, I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you know, I recorded a, another podcast today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you were a guest on, on Playlist. On Playlist. Playlist um, is a great show, by the way. This is I, your second time around. I love Playlist. I really do. And I was on with great people. It really, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I'm around. I'm around people I don't know. And you've got that thing where, you know, you don't want to sound... Like you don't know what you're talking about and you're an idiot. (laughs) Where, of course, here, you know I'm an idiot. Oh, and you know I'm an idiot. So (laughs) it's fine. Here we are. No pants. (laughs) I am literally in my pajamas. (laughs) Just put the kids to bed and I'm like, yep, pajamas it is. (laughs) Uh, Beth's here as well. Yeah, she well, not not like she's not in the room. She's in the house, not in the room. She's just visiting your wife. Yeah, I'm sure she'll join us again soon. But <laughs> today is not that day. <laughs> you, I, I mentioned to you didn't I that I finally got around to seeing Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, so that I could because like I had all these opinions about how rubbish Bohemian Rhapsody was <laughs> without, without having seen it, it. Yeah. and it, it was the one film that's up for Best Picture that I hadn't seen. So I was like, okay, I'll just I'll just tick it off, yeah. and every idea that I had about that film was correct. I didn't, I didn't need to see it. It is bog average. Yes. Th- this is how average Bohemian Rhapsody is. The other day we were at the pub and Radio Gaga comes on Really fun song. Yeah. And I was like, oh <laughs> that's that's what Bohemian Rhapsody has done to me. That is a real shame. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, I still haven't got I talked a big game about watching it last time we recorded. I was gonna get KFC and, and check it out. I didn't do that. I got the KFC. <laughs> didn't watch Bohemian Rhapsody. So that and Roma are still the only two I've yet to get to. But this is the week. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch both of them because okay. I wanna I wanna be informed this year. Good to be informed. Yeah, it is. And what did we watch this week? This week we stayed in. Yeah, which was nice. Yep. Hit up Netflix for new Dan Gilroy film, Velvet Buzzsaw. That is correct. Velvet Buzzsaw, a supernatural horror film written and directed by Dan Gilroy, who, of course, brought us Nightcrawler. And he did, uh, what was the one with Denzel that he randomly got nominated for that no one had even heard of before it happened? Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This time around, he is again collaborating with Jake Gyllenhaal and his wife, Renee Russo. Uh, Tony Colette, Tom Sturridge, Zor Ashton, Natalia Dyer, Davey Diggs, Billy Magnussen, and John Malkovich. And John Malkovich, Mister Netflix. <laughs> Why? I- what else was he in? Well, I just watched uh, Bird Box as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was in Bird Box. So now, yeah. on, on a sample of two films, I'm like, <laughs> John Malkovich is now is now Netflix. It's just in Netflix's pocket. <laughs> and uh, what is Velvet Buzzsaw about? I don't know, which half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> it, it starts off as this kind of sometimes witty satirical-, witchy, satirical. Yeah, exactly. And then it becomes Final Destination. Yeah. So, I mean, let's jump straight into it then. Did you like this movie? It was- oh, Like, for sitting at home on the couch, uh, checking your phone periodically and not caring that you're doing that. Yeah. It's- Fine. This was not a great movie. I mean, it's not that long and yet I found myself very frequently checking the time to be like how much longer does this have? <laughs> You're right actually. I think I was checking the time it, particularly towards the end and it it's almost like the movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It's like is it a satire? Is it a is it a black comedy? Is it a straight-up horror because it kind of has elements of all of those, but it doesn't really do any of them that well. I mean I like I like the first half of it more. It's funny when you said before about Bohemian Rhapsody making you, you know, not enjoy Queen songs. This for me was a masterclass in how terrible writing can make really good actors seem like terrible actors. Like I don't like Renee Russo was the only performance I thought was half decent in this movie and I still didn't think she was great. Some of the dialogue like yeah, I mean on the dialogue there's that one scene where our I don't know. Would you call who is the protagonist? I don't even know. Well, yeah, but- yeah, that's a good point. I guess you would say that it's it's morph, <laughs> um, Jake Gyllenhaal. But mm. yeah, he kind of shares equal screen. But time, it could but- also be jo- it could easily be Josephina as well. Yeah, and it and it could easily be. I mean, what's her f- friggin' name? Uh, Rene Russo's character had a really weird name, and every time her last name's Hayes yeah, but every, every time they said her name, it sounded like something even dumber than it was. <laughs> but when like when Josephina is told about the like the artist who dies, yeah. which, which then kind of leads us into the second half of the film, she's just told that by a walking instrument of exposition. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's stunningly lazy. <laughs> yeah, I found a lot of the, the screenplay, both dialogue and story extremely lazy. Speaking of lazy. That's right. Her name is Redora, But every time they say it, I'm like, why is this woman's name Fedora? That is. Uh, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of lazy, though, any t- any filmmaker who uses a cat as a jump scare <laughs> should be put in prison. Oh, like, come on. That cat was w- Like, the, the film had some very strange editing choices in general. When Morph, Jake Gyllenhaal, is first hooking up with Josephina. And he goes to put his hand up her pants. We randomly get the sound of a jet plane. And then you cut to a shot of the cat. (laughs) Like, which doesn't lead into the next scene. It's just, hey, here's this cat. I I guess because he was going, you know, towards the cat region. Yes. (laughs) Without getting too crass. Like, there were just some weird choices. Did you find that as well? No weirder choice than josephina drinking white wine from a red wine glass (laughs) i obviously didn't notice that i mean if she had been drinking a thick shake from a milkshake glass i might have picked it up (laughs) come on josephina get it together girl (laughs) she was by far both the worst character and actress in this film like, I, don't think, I don't think she was the worst character. Oh, really? She was a horrendous person. <laughs> she stole a dead dude's artwork. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not on. Why was she even in his apartment to begin with? Because she'd been pushed to the brink by old Hazer. Oh, nah, mate. Russo. Russo had driven her there. Nah. She was a bad egg. <laughs> she was a bad egg to begin with. But with the first half of the film, I, th- like, I actually think there's some really good ri- writing. Some of the- yeah. Some of the one-line interactions that happen there are pretty great. Like, two characters will say, like, genuinely one line to each other, and straight away, you know their dynamic. Yes, yeah. So, that's, re- like, that's really well done. Yeah, and I-, I knew that you would enjoy it more than I did. Almost a year ago, exactly, um, we watched a Swedish film called The Square. Which the first half of this film is very similar to in a lot of ways. That that straight through and through is a satire of the art world. But it is also very pretentious, like this film. And that is the gamble. Every time a filmmaker try to make a statement on art... It is really hard to do that without coming off as a pretentious wanker. This is like The Square and Final Destination had a kid. Yeah, it it, re- it really is. It really is. And this is this is less pretentious than The Square, but it's also nowhere near as good. So at least The Square has a right to be pretentious because it actually does have things to say. Yeah. I felt like this was- It was like trying to channel that, but the satire wasn't as strong because it, it didn't feel like it was coming from a real place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like there's an, another good thing it does in that first half is there's that scene where it really simply and economically conveys the jealousy that other artists have towards this new breakout artist. Yeah. when you see Malkovich and I've forgotten the other character V Diggs. Yes, I forget the character's name. Yeah, but yeah. When you see them sitting or standing there looking at at this art and they're more enraged than they are. Yeah, enjoying it. Yeah. It, uh, it's a nice little bit of filmmaking. Well, and because those two are both extraordinarily good actors. And it's it's to me it's a real shame that we didn't get more of their characters. Malkovich in particular, like the film ends on him and yet you you haven't really seen him for like over an hour of the film but I yeah I'd kind of forgotten about him. Yeah. There are some really weird choices made there and I think that you know the reason he lived and and that you, you end on him is clearly because he didn't he didn't profit from the art. He himself is an artist. He's not just commercializing art, which is clearly who the spirit from the paintings is targeting. But yeah because you haven't seen him in so much of the film it, it kind of loses that impact I think. Yeah. We just end with him high as a kite on a beach presumably. Well I I actually really to me that was the strongest scene in the film was the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> I love just you know it was kind of him getting back to channeling his art. His story was actually what I liked the most. He he was an artist who had struggled with addiction and hadn't been creating. And then, you know, he gets away to this beach and there he is just doodling on the sand with a stick, just kind of not trying to be commercial or sell anything, just kind of channeling that artistic nature in himself, which I really enjoyed that part of it. Easy to channel the artistic nature in yourself when you're high as a kite on the beach. <laughs> okay. One little, one other little good thing to pick at. I liked the kind of use of 3D space with that picture of the monkeys that attacked Dickhead. Yeah, that was that was the one thing I was going to say was not just that, but I think in general, a lot of the imagery itself is very nice. I wouldn't say that I thought the cinematography was very good, but particularly those scenes where the art is kind of coming to life, I think was really, really nice and had some cool elements to it. And the design of the art itself. Yeah. This, you know, the, the old mate upstairs who died. It's cool. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Really cool colour palette and, like you were saying, the use of space in those scenes. We had that similar scene at the end when Josephina gets her demise and the, the paint is kind of leaking all over the floor and up her skin. Yep. And, st- and that was really, really cool. For, I mean, for most of the second half of the film, I was assuming that, like, I thought it had descended so far into bog standard horror that Coco was going to be our final girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Who just like outruns the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As it turns out, poor old Stranger Things is just there to find bodies for the most part. <laughs> she, but, it's a pretty coincidence that she finds like the first two bodies. Oh, the police would be all over Coco. <laughs> yeah, yet I mean, the painting yeah. killed them. <laughs> right. It wasn't the jealous receptionist <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. My I, I watched it with my other half, and she made a point which I was totally on board with. That it would have been way more interesting, I think, if the way that the the paintings or the art or this guy's this dead guy's spirit gets at you is through psychological means, not physical means. Yeah, that's why it's interesting because we got more of that with with Morph. Jake Gyllenhaal he started kind of yes. hallucinating, and he was kind of attacked by. His, because he was an art critic, and particularly because he had just ruined that guy's career because Josephina was was a bitch, um, and it was the, clearly the worst character in the film. Uh, Is that- I mean, she was kind of tall as well. <laughs> you know how I feel about tall women. <laughs> um, but because of that, it was cool that then he was kind of reversing on himself and hearing all the negative things that he'd said and was kind of being chased by that negative aspect of himself- But then, yeah, with everyone else, it's kind of just a generic slasher film with a little bit more art to it, pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Do you wish that it had all been like that, what happened to him? Or even taken to a further level? Yes, absolutely. Other than just- Because, I mean, the deaths in the film aren't like- I mean, the fun of A Final Destination is the inventive ways they come up killing people. Yes. So it's not even as fun as that. Yeah, that's true. It's inventive visually, but outside of that, you know, like Josephine's, for example, she's just standing there. Like, she's just standing in a room getting covered with ink. Like Death by dodgy tattooist in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a real threat. Speaking of kind of like boring deaths, totally off track. Have you seen anything from that new Zac Efron Ted Bundy film? No, I haven't. Okay. Word is it's quite good. But the rumour going around, I don't know how true this is, is that the original draft of the film was just about a normal dude doing normal things. And you didn't know it was Ted Bundy until the last 10 minutes. Oh, what a cool idea. Isn't it a cool idea? And is that not what the film is? It's not what the film is now. Oh. Now everyone's just like, it's that Ted Bundy movie. Boo. But uh, that's a really cool idea. But like, how would you market that? How would you get people to go see a movie about a regular everyday normal dude? <laughs> Uh, get Zac Efron to take his shirt off, I guess. <laughs> Super Bowl and halftime style. Dancing pecs. Yeah. Um, Back to buzzsaw. <laughs> can we all just agree that the scariest thing in the film is the hairless cat? Oh, definitely. Oh, God. That was an ugly cat. It's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, cats are inherently evil to begin with. Hairless cats? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm all for people being a friend to animals, but hairless cats can fuck right <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, One one thing I did like, since we we have been a little negative, one thing I did really enjoy was the score. Yeah, yeah. I thought that the score was really, really, like that elevated the film for me. It made both the first half and the second half far better. And it was the one thing for me that really tied them together. Even more than like, yeah, sure, it's the same characters. And I guess you could say it's like one story. It still felt very incohesive and like, like two distinct halves, but the score carried through for me and that was the one thing that really tied it together. Mm. L- like the rug in Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that Super Bowl light either. I thought you were just about to say you hadn't seen the Big Lebowski and I was no. like that's fucking weird. When you, when you gave me that, that Lebowski print and I pretended like I liked it, <laughs> yeah. I was like don't know what this is. That's not a print mate, that was hand painted. I bought that from the States for you, man. Thank you. <laughs> I said thank you when you gave it to me, and I stand by my remarks. (laughs) Well, maybe I'd like a little more thanks. (laughs) Okay, um, thanks again, Billy. All right, that'll do it. (laughs) Did you know, I hadn't seen a trailer for the film. Did you know what to expect going in? Was this what you thought the movie was going to be? No, I thought that the movie was going to be more the first half of the film. Right. I i mean, I, th- I thought it was going to be the, the first half, but with a darker edge, you know, like, like Nightcrawler is what you'd call a very well done satire. I really, really enjoyed that. And that, to me, had the right amount of kind of bleakness. Whereas this, the first half was kind of over the top bright. Like, even you look at the cinematography, it's so brightly lit and it just... It just didn't gel for me, and this this brings me to I guess my main question. So, do you know anything about the backstory of how Dan Gilroy wrote the film Drugs? <laughs> Probably. Uh, apparently, he because he, he he was working on Superman Lives, which, as we all know, was very famously cancelled by the studio, and a lot of people worked. On, I'm not sure if that's the same Superman project that. Burton was going to direct and I think Kevin Smith wrote a draft of it as well like it got really far in the pipeline and apparently he invested a lot of himself into it and then when it got canned he got really kind of pissed at the studio and and he was sitting on a, on a beach which inspired that last scene with Malkovich and he came up with the idea for this movie which I guess to him is kind of like yeah it's a real slam at commercialization of art and not just letting artists create art and do you think that if if this movie had had more studio intervention, it might have been better? Do you think that we're now at a point where, with Netflix kind of just funding and producing so many films, and Netflix's thing really is just letting the filmmakers have creative control, which in a lot of cases is great. Do you yeah, think like- just throwing this money at him and saying, yeah, go make this movie? like Studio interference has a really bad name, and- and okay, yeah, there's reasons why it has a bad name. Yeah, I mean, you know, we spoke about this with like John Carter, for example. It's still a masterpiece, though, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, but of course, th- yeah, there are times where you could you can pin- you can point out projects where you're like, why why couldn't there have been some like okay, Star Wars prequels? Yeah, oh, prime example, crying out for studio like, interference. Well, because and Lucas, like, people forget that Lucas didn't really make Star Wars. Like, he made the first one, A New Hope, and then even he recognised, I'm not the man for this project, and he didn't write or direct five or six. And I think people forget that. People just think of Lucas as, like, the king of Star Wars. But then, like, throwing the prequels at him after the success Star Wars had had and saying, yeah, sure, you go ahead, you created this universe, you do what you want, that was not a good move. And, I mean, even, I think he, we've just gone on to Lucas here, which I'm, <laughs> which I'm fine with, <laughs> Like, I think he at some. Like, I think he kind of knew that to begin because he tried to get Ron Howard to do it. He tried to get Spielberg to do it, and eventually they were like, "No, nah, you should, yeah. you should do this." And I mean, yay for being a good friend, but <laughs> <laughs> you should have done it. <laughs> I mean, look, you will always take the chance to to take a camera off me if given the opportunity. That's true. Like you will always shoot before me. If, yeah. You know. If you if you were like, I'm going to shoot this thing. Yeah, I'd say. Well, look, happy for you to edit it. <laughs> why don't Why don't you let me shoot it? <laughs> because that's how we work. You're the shooter. I'm the editor. We know our strength. Yeah, there we go. And I think that sometimes people need to to like pay more attention to that. Like you know, it's it's happening more and more where you know people who are say traditionally directors or traditionally writers or e- even actors, you know, are turning to other crafts. And sometimes it works out really, really well, but. I just feel like sometimes a little bit of interference ain't a bad thing. (laughs) What movie are we talking about? (laughs) Weird title, speaking of what movie are we talking about, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. Very, very loosely tied in with the name of what, Rene Russo's punk band in the 80s? punk band, yeah. I'd I'd like to hear a, a Velvet Buzzsaw track. Yeah, I mean, that would have been nice. Why wasn't there more punk music in this thing? Yeah. Maybe it should have been set in the punk world. Well, that would be interesting. And in, and instead of art that kills people, they find this old rockers like mixtape up in his apartment. Yeah, some guy that went to the Crossroads got down on my knee. <laughs> and the tracks drive you crazy. Yes. Like Banana Phone. <laughs> What's banana phone? Oh, you don't have banana phone? No. Oh, when you get home, YouTube banana phone. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> it's this old clip from the early days of the internet, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's a kid's song. Like Raffi, I think it was, but ring 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 banana phone. Doo dooby dooby doo. And there's this famous like YouTube cartoon of this guy who just like kept hearing it in his head and going insane. You don't know what I'm talking about? No, nah, not at all. Well this is all gonna get cut. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on Velvet Buzzsaw? <laughs> I mean, what percentage of this episode do you think we actually spoke about Velvet Buzzsaw before it's, getting on to Lucas and Banana Phone? It's like the, the first half of this episode is talking <laughs> about Velvet <laughs> That's right, this is an art piece. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, our ramblings are actually a carefully thought out critique right. of the and, film. And you guys can't see this because it's an audio format, but while the end music of this episode plays, Topher and I are actually standing on a beach doodling in the sand with a stick. High as a kite. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that. I mean, that's it. What What do you What score on this thing? I'm a four. I'm also a four. Like, I didn't- like there's there's there is stuff about this film that I like, and I wouldn't say that i I didn't have a bad time watching it, really, no. but it's not good. and I, I'm sure that there are people out there this is for. I saw our good friend Julio from the contrarians tweet today that he enjoyed it. so you do you Julio yeah, he was he was on whatever Malkovich was on <laughs> on the beach. I mean, maybe if you watched this on a beach. Wait, wait, wait! Can I step back a second? Yeah, someone from the Contrarians said oh, they liked it. I see where you are. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You think he's a lying sack of shit? Your words, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> you heard what Topher said. <laughs> Come at him, Julio. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's us done. <laughs> okay, uh, what are we getting to next week, my friend? We're also avoiding the theaters. Bit of a throwback, aren't we? I think we are. We're and gonna, it's your choice. We're heading back to the nineties. A film that I love that Billy hadn't seen, hasn't seen. Have you watched it yet? I have. Right. I have. We're gonna be doing Danny Boyle's train spotting. <laughs> yes, that's right. Which I know shameful I hadn't seen it. Not my most shameful, but shameful nonetheless. Yeah, it's not the godfather. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, because next throwback's gonna be my choice, so Ugh. <laughs> Look forward to I don't know, some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at WeWatchththing.com or we thing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all under the handle at WeWatchThe Thing. If you want to help support the show, then you can do that by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash we watch the thing. And see us. Go watch a movie, everyone. That was really funny and there was like ringing through it. As as your phone rings. (laughs) Wait, should we go back and do that What a professional. Should we go back and do that again? Nah, (laughs) it'll never be as good. All right.